Well, welcome back to the uh, FreightWaves Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Summit. My name is Alan Adler. I am the Detroit Bureau Chief for FreightWaves. I'm really happy to be joined this, this day by Rakesh Anija from Daimler Truck North America. Uh, Rakesh has been at uh, Daimler as, as, as part of Detroit Diesel Corporation since 1998. During his time at Daimler, he's uh, held a variety of engineering management and program leadership roles in, in a number of countries, including four years in Stuttgart, Germany, which is the home of, uh, of Daimler Truck. All of these jobs have focused uh, on advanced propulsion technologies. So most recently, since 2019, uh, Rakesh has been DTNA's powertrain engineering organization at Detroit and was based in Michigan. Uh, now he and his team working in close collaboration with uh, global colleagues and uh, Daimler uh, colleagues here in the U.S., uh, launched the DD-15 Gen, Gen 5 uh, engine program, and which is the uh, modern incarnation of the industry's uh, leading heavy-duty engine. But he was named to the mobility position in 2019 and now oversees electrification uh, product for uh, Daimler. Uh, welcome, Rakesh. It's great to have you with us today. Hi, Alan. Nice to see you again, and thank you for having me here. Yeah, it, it's it's great because Daimler, you know, you can't do a program like we're doing without Daimler, right? And so it's great to have you here. Uh, you know, the leadership that, that Daimler enjoys in the uh, in the overall market, uh, you know, for heavy-duty trucks is, is pretty much, it is unparalleled. And so the same seems to be true for electrification. Uh, you know, I guess that's a great place to start this conversation because, you know, I, I'm really curious how you see the near future for Class 8 battery trucks. I mean, we saw in, I think it was in May that you picked up an 800-unit order, uh, kind of the largest to date uh, from Cisco Corporation for the eCascadia uh, electric truck. Uh, this, uh, just recently, we see that uh, Pride Group out of Canada has ordered 200 eCascadias plus 50 EM2s. Um Again, this isn't just about Daimler, but those are a couple of pretty big orders. Are we going to see more of this? Well, I certainly hope so, Alan, and I certainly expect that as well. We are at such an exciting time uh, as part of the industry, right? I have said that uh, many times in my career, but what we are seeing right now is an order of magnitude more exciting, more transformational than we've ever seen. Uh, quite possibly the biggest transformation our industry will ever see. And yeah, we are at a tipping point in our journey as the industry. Uh, as you are familiar with some of our programs, we started on uh, customer experience and innovation fleet activity a few years back. And, you know, as you can appreciate, our technology and products are uh, quite complicated. It really requires a, a go-and-see, a look-and-see approach, if I can borrow a term from the production system or the operation system. And that's what our customers were doing the last couple of years. They really wanted to experience that product firsthand. And after that favorable experience, after that successful experience, we launch into generation two of our product. And that's where we are seeing some of these big orders come in. Customers have had a favorable experience with generation one. They have strong uh, sustainability goals internally. ESG is the common terminology being used in the industry, environment, social, and governance. Driven by that, driven by their own sustainability goals, driven by the favorable experience, we are 
seeing this tipping point where those tens of orders are getting converted into hundreds of orders over a multi-year period. Sure. I, I guess, you know, when we look at the range improvements first for for the, the uh, eCascadia and some of your competition also, now sometimes that means adding battery and adding weight and possibly, you know, uh, compromising uh, with, with cargo. But, you know, we're getting to the point now where we're seeing for electric trucks, heavy duty class eight trucks, something that allows for at least, um, you know, uh, p- pick up a delivery and middle mile. Um, do you see much of a future, at least in the near term, for long-term battery electric, or is it going to be more of a fuel cell solution, which, of course, you've announced a, a, a program with Cummins, you know, for, for that in the next few years. Uh, how do you see this playing out? That's a great question, Alan, and that is, I would say, a billion or possibly tens of billions or hundreds of billions dollar question, really. We are evaluating it every day, every week as part of our program development, as part of our strategic outlook for the future. It's, uh, I would say, difficult to give a very definitive answer today, but it's something that's at the forefront of our innovation and technology. I can uh, maybe suggest a couple of uh, considerations and dimensions that go into that evaluation. So firstly, starting with, you know, the current applications, maybe a quick word on that. Uh, As you can appreciate, uh, we are starting from a blank slate, essentially, right? Our ambition is to convert 100% of our portfolio exclusively to CO2 neutral by 2039 in our main markets of North America, Europe, and Asia. So. With that ambition in mind, there is so much fertile ground to work with today. And some of these initial applications for battery electric, some of the drayage applications, warehouse to warehouse, regional hall, where the trucks have an opportunity to come back to a home base, get charged over a few hours, overnight even, those are the best applications suited for battery electric. The energy rates are very attractive. The operating cost is favorable. And you quickly start to see a business case uh, come out of it. Now, when we look at long haul, so the initial applications today, right, the range we're looking at is um, around 200, 230 miles. That's the range we're looking at. We are working feverishly to extend that over the next uh, few years. Uh, so within 300 miles, I would say that seems like a very, very good application for battery electric. Beyond 300 miles, uh, when you get start getting into some of the longer haul segments, couple of considerations. So one is the opportunity to charge at much faster rates. So if you have megawatt charging and we are working on the industry, we're working together in a consortia within the industry as part of a charging group, for example, on megawatt charging standards. So the ability to charge at faster rates over a shorter period of time could be ideal where you are at a truck stop, a public infrastructure type of a location, and you are able to get to an 80% charge over 30 to 45 minutes, let's say. And that quickly becomes a range extender for your battery electric vehicle with 300 miles, let's say, on one charge. So that's one dimension that we are working on. We're also looking at, um, you know, continuing to extend the range. So have more energy capacity on board so that you can get more miles beyond 300 miles on one uh, charge. And as you noted, there is a trade off there with payload, uh, energy, uh, 
batteries are get heavy and can get cost prohibitive and weight prohibitive uh, as you continue to increase the onboard energy capacity. So there is a trade-off with payload. That's, I would say, the second dimension to consider. And then finally, the third one, as you noted, is hydrogen. And we are uh, very excited about the potential of hydrogen as well. We are bullish on that technology based on everything we are looking at today. We think it can serve a complementary need to battery electric, uh, where uh, for the longer haul cases, because of payload considerations, refueling times, it could be an excellent use case as well. Hydrogen-powered vehicles and battery electric, those would be, I would say, the two propulsion technologies that we're focusing on today. Let's stay with hydrogen for just a moment. Um, like a lot of things that Daimler does, and it certainly has done this in autonomous space by having, you know, an internal uh, uh, subsidiary in, 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 in Torque and then, uh, you know, working with Waymo, uh, you've got sort of two activities around the autonomous space. With hydrogen, you seem to have two as well. Um, you have the announcement that you made back in May with uh, Cummins about uh, you know, uh, uh, converting, I guess, uh, eCascadias to run on hydrogen. You also have the joint venture in Europe with uh, Volvo, Cellcentric, I believe it's called, uh, m- probably for later in the decade. Um, but when you get to the hydrogen solutions, there is always that question. I hate to call it chicken and the egg, but there's always the question of infrastructure. Um, that's really not something you have to necessarily worry about it, or is it? It's a great point, and I would say it's something we worry about for sure. Uh, we would like to do our part to support and catalyze the infrastructure development, but yeah, it's going to require stakeholders from across the industry, folks who have direct ownership, direct stake in the infrastructure piece, more direct than we do, to really come together. I often say that it's going to take a global village to raise the sustainability child, and uh, that's that's really what we are looking at. Uh, I often also say that uh, it's really three factors or uh, three pillars that is going to make this transformation successful, and we consider those as multiplication factors of an equation. If any of those factors is zero or unsuccessful, the net result of transformation is going to be unsuccessful. And the way we look at those three main pillars are vehicle technology, infrastructure, and cost parity. Vehicle technologies is squarely our responsibility as the vehicle or truck OEM. That's what we think belongs in our area and, of course, our our peers in the industry. But infrastructure and cost parity, we are committed to doing our part to catalyze that, to support that activity. But as mentioned earlier, it's going to require a much broader coalition to come together and make it successful. And that is really, I would say, we often get asked, right, which is the winner among these, between these two technologies, between hydrogen and battery electric. I think a big part, it's too early in my mind to predict a winner. Today, we would say they have a complementary role to play. But a big part of what's going to determine a success of one over the other, if it's not really a competition, but you know what I mean, uh, is really the infrastructure piece and how that develops over time. Let's talk infrastructure for a minute. Uh, Daimler Truck here in, in North America, BlackRock and NextAir Energy announced what I think is the biggest infrastructure play, $650 million, uh, that you plan to put into, you know, truck charging and, and infrastructure. Um, with the incentives that come from the Inflation Reduction Act, 
and some of the other things. California, as you know, since you uh, piloted there, uh, you know, has been quite uh, generous, if you will, with with the money uh, towards incentives. Uh, how do you assess the pace of the infrastructure development for electric trucks? And that, of course, can include hydrogen, but I think we're mostly talking about battery electric right now. How how are we doing in terms of a, a proper matching of infrastructure and trucking? Yeah, I would be a little bit uh, self-critical from an industry perspective in response to this question. And I would say we are doing a bit, but it's not fast enough and not nearly enough. And, you know, I talked about three factors, uh, what's going to be required to make us successful. We can get into all kinds of detail about really the nitty-gritty details behind those factors. But if I were to pick one area, which is the most critical, I would say it's the infrastructure. We have experienced those uh, pain points firsthand. Uh, My engineers have uh, creatively tried to charge a Class A truck in a Walmart parking lot, and that's uh, led to a lot of uh, frustration on both ends, certainly. Pain points for us, uh, slow charging rates, very difficult to access those stations, which are really meant for passenger cars. And of course, um, a few disgruntled Walmart shoppers as well. And my apologies uh, to them. <laughs> I remember, I remember when you were taking trucks to California for the, uh, uh, for the, uh, uh, for NFI and, and, and some of that, that you were trying to use, uh, car chargers to keep them charged on the way down. Exactly. And, you know, most recently, about a month back, I was in a summer test with my team. That's another thing we pride ourselves on, extensive testing and validation to make sure we find and fix issues before our customers ever see them. And yeah, at summer test, uh, unfortunately, we had to be, uh, you know, carrying along a diesel generator to power and charge our trucks because charging is not uh, ubiquitously available as uh, as you can imagine. So that's one reason why we went into this proposed joint venture with NextEra and BlackRock because we wanted to catalyze uh, the infrastructure development. The 650 million investment you mentioned, it is a significant amount, but in the bigger scheme of things, when you talk of nationwide infrastructure, it is still a drop in the bucket, but hey, we need something to get started. And I really welcome the recent passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. I think those are the types of measures. Also, I was referring to earlier with the broader coalition. We need the government and regulatory and policy landscapes to come together. We need private partnerships as well as the example that we mentioned. And it's going to require quite a few of these to continue to develop infrastructure. So I think we all have to do our part and make it happen. I'll ask you for a quick one on this because we're just about out of time here, but I did want to ask you about something that it appears Daimler Truck is involved in, as are many others, and that's this truck as a service. You're offering consulting services. You're offering chargers. You're doing a lot of things through the Detroit operation that you know very, very well um, to sort of make this easier perhaps on fleets so that it is a turnkey kind of operation. Real quickly before we get at, get you out of here, uh, how do you see that playing out? Do you think truck as a service is the answer ultimately? 
So maybe a quick word on why we got into this space, and then I'll get to your question. And really, it was driven by um, the need of our customers. I referred to this customer experience uh, activity earlier, where we demonstrated together with our customers 1 million miles of uh, testing on electric trucks with our Generation 1. And the number one pain point uh, during that experience was for some reason, occasionally, the truck's not ready to go because of a failure to charge event. And we never wanted our customers to wonder, is it a vehicle issue? Is it a charger issue? Is it hardware? Is it software? Which support number, which customer support number should I call? That's why we wanted to get into this uh, ecosystem space, entire holistic ecosystem, both from a charging infrastructure perspective and offer those validated charging solutions to our customers in uh, conjunction with our charger partner, as well as the consulting space where really a lot of our customers were asking the question, where do we even begin? You know, how do you even get started on this topic? And uh, through our experience, whatever we have learned, we want to share that with our customers and learn and grow with them so that we can do this together successfully. So again, that was, I would say, grounded in that customer focus culture that we like to pride ourselves on. And now to your question, I would say much broadly, beyond even trucking as a service, I think the entire service industry or after-sales industry has potential for uh, some healthy disruption and some transformation as well. And due to a variety of reasons, uh, those questions and that interest um, is there from our customers. So trucking as a service, we are seeing some interest there. Uh, same thing on the charging as a service as well, where uh, maybe initially not everyone wants to make that capital investment and they're looking for some support um, both on the trucking side as well as on the charging side to have a service available where you have, you know, let's say a monthly rate or an annual rate or whatever the case may be. So this is also, I would say, the industry's way of learning together, right? As things shake out, I think time will tell if this becomes how significant of a activity this becomes, but certainly there is some interest because we are all in this learning journey together. And fine, sorry, final point, as I said, you know, it impacts maybe the entire uh, service uh, industry overall. We're seeing some other interesting models come into play as well. So we talked about charging services, public infrastructure. Another one, uh, as an example, would be uh, battery energy, battery energy as a storage system. So. We talk about batteries and use in commercial vehicles, for example, in a first-life application. In a second life, let's say the battery's use case is uh, no longer applicable on the vehicle side, but there is still value and use case left in it. So how can we utilize the battery in a second-life type situation? And they're using it as a storage system in an infrastructure setting is a great complement as well. It stabilizes the grid, it reduces the cost, so there's some opportunity there. And those are the type of uh, potential transformations on the service side that we are looking at as well. Great. Well, you know, I we, we could do a whole nother segment just on Second Life of Batteries, but we're not going to be able to do that on this one. But let's think about that for the future. Uh, Rakesh, thank you so much for being with us today. Great conversation and, and really appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you once again for having me, Alan, and it was good to chat with you as always.